At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you want to learn and change your brain as an adult, there has to be a high level of focus and engagement. There's absolutely no way around this. What you need to do is you need to, regardless of how agitated you feel, you have to lean in and focus extremely hard. Neuroplasticity is triggered when urgency and focus combine. You can sit there and just ramp up your level of urgency through purely psychological means. Those who will be successful, young or old, are going to be those people who can create their own internal buffers. They're going to be able to control their relationship to pleasures because the proximity to pleasures and the availability is the problem. Neuroplasticity, which is this incredible feature of our nervous systems that allows it to change in response to experience. Neuroplasticity is arguably one of the most important aspects of our biology. It holds the promise for each and all of us to think differently, to learn new things, to forget painful experiences, and to essentially adapt to anything that life brings us by becoming better. I'm referring to the same process, which is the brain and nervous system's ability to change itself. There are a lot of reasons why the nervous system would do this. It could do it in response to some traumatic event. It could, for instance, create a sense of fear around a particular place or a fear of automobiles or planes. It could also occur when something positive happens, like the birth of our first child, or when our puppy does something amusing, or we see an incredible feat of performance in athleticism. All of us were born with a nervous system that isn't just capable of change, but was designed to change. When we enter the world, our nervous system is primed for learning. You can't just decide to change your brain. You actually have to go through a series of steps to change your internal state in ways that will allow you to change your brain. One of the biggest lies in the universe that seems quite prominent right now is that every experience you have changes your brain. People love to say this. They love to say, your brain is going to be different after this lecture, or your brain is going to be different after today's class than it was two days ago. And that's absolutely not true. The nervous system doesn't just change because you experience something, unless you're a very young child. You hear so often, which is every experience that you have is going to change the way your brain works. Absolutely not. If you're a child, you, the things you hear and see and do are shaping you. Right? Mm -hmm. Kids come home saying things they've never even heard before. It's amazing. Right. And as an adult, you have to crack into that neural circuitry and reshape it. The key thing is to identify not just one, but probably a kit of reasons, several reasons as to why you would want to make this particular change. Motivation and the chemistry of motivation is tightly wound in with the neurochemistry of movement. How do you get motivated? Well, one way to do that is if you are good at subjectively attaching dopamine to the pursuit. Just understanding the more friction and pain that you experience, the greater the dopamine reward you will get later, and that serves as its own amplifier. Our species arrived here because of this dance between arousal and relaxation, arousal and relaxation. And one thing we can say for sure about every human being that's alive now is that their parents, at least once, mastered this dance mm. of relaxed but not 
and excited, but not too excited, then really excited, and then relaxed. That dance was mastered by all of our parents, and that's what delivered us here to some extent. Pursuing goals have this balance. It's almost like a like a seesaw. There's activation and calm, activation and calm, and it's that dynamic process that's important to master in every endeavor. One of the most powerful things that any person can do is to learn to control this idea of duration, path, and outcome, and attach an internal sense of reward, just that you're doing well. To reward yourself mentally, just say, "I'm doing well. I'm actually on the right path." The more often that we can self-reward some aspect of the process, provided it's in the right direction. Of what we're trying to achieve, the more energy we're、right. going to have for that, the more focus we're going to have for that. And so, when people start realizing that if they set the goals inside of the larger goal and self-reward each one of those, they essentially have an infinite amount of energy to pursue those goals. They have an infinite amount of focus to pursue those、yeah. goals. So the the keys are to pursue rewards, but understand that the pursuit is actually the reward. If you want to have repeated wins, the celebration has to be less than the pursuit. And that's hard for some people to do. If we were to look at ourselves through the lens of an experiment, like we would an animal experiment, we think that animal is sick. If you saw an animal digging in the corner, looking, 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 looking for a bone, the dog is looking, 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 looking. You'd think that's really sad. That's us. One of the problems is is we tend to fill our idle time with more sensory information. And that doesn't allow us to go into this deliberate decompression very quickly. And so the dopamine system is just a little bit overwhelmed. I don't think we need to be off our phones all the time. We just take some time to just deliberately decompress each day, any time of day, and so, you'll focus better. This is something that could be done for you know five minutes a day, of just turning off or flipping over the phone and thinking about something in a in a very directed way, and just watching how that makes you feel. If it makes you feel agitated, if it makes you feel good. If it makes you feel a sense of desire, those are those actually would be powerful practices because it would give you a window into what's happening neurochemically. When you're scrolling on social media, you're no longer getting the novelty, but you're continuing to do it. And you almost don't know why you're doing it. At that point, it shifts over to something that's a bit more like an obsessive compulsive behavior, and then you find that you're scrolling. You're like, why am I doing this? This isn't that interesting. That is, this isn't that interesting. Now. The algorithms for social media are very clever, and I don't want to demonize it. The algorithms that they've incorporated function on the most powerful way to keep people doing a behavior or an animal, for that matter, is intermittent random reward, a random intermittent reward that you don't know when you're going to hit the jackpot. So you're scrolling, you're scrolling, and then you see something, and then you, what happens is you start getting. The system working for that next dopamine hit that you don't know when it's going to come. It's just like gambling. It actually can be quite useful to take some time and space away from social media, certainly from any addictive drugs. That's the treatment for addiction, and restore those dopamine levels to baseline.、Uh, you've all heard of this molecule dopamine that gives us this sense of reward when we accomplish something. Well, if you get so much dopamine from the reward of people saying, "Oh yeah, you're absolutely going to be able to do that," you might not actually go after the. The reward of the accomplishment itself. So beware these positive reinforcements. Also, so I suggest that everyone ask themselves, what is it that I want to? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. 
We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Accomplish. And what is it that's driving me to accomplish this? And come up with two or three things. The molecule dopamine is a really misunderstood molecule. Dopamine is responsible for that feeling of feeling great. But in addition, dopamine is what's released anytime an animal or human thinks it's on the right path. Mm. And that's very subjective. If you finish a marathon in first place, no one comes along and drips dopamine in your ear. You self-generate that. It's all internal. It's all about your internal representation. The problem is not pleasures. The problem is that pleasure experienced without prior requirement for pursuit is terrible for us. It's terrible for us as individuals. It's terrible for us as as groups. The internet gives you a dopamine. What we didn't realize is that repeated engagement with these things leads to dopamine depletion and that the pain and pleasure balance is always at work. We all should guard our dopamine peaks very carefully. A little bit goes a long way. A lot goes even further, but it also takes you down deeper afterwards. This is the basis of addiction. So for every bit of pleasure that we get from pursuit and getting the thing that we were pursuing, the crash that comes afterwards feels painful. And all that we need to do in order to return to a baseline of dopamine, renew that resource. Little by little and by rewarding each thing. If you get up and you make the bed, you're not back on your heels, you make a cup of coffee, you sit down, you script out something in a journal, you exercise, Maybe you call a relative that you think might need to hear from you or that you'd like to talk to. You do something in a deliberate way, just being deliberate and learning to push away the things that are trying to make you reflexive is so important. My goal is to be as you know, deliberate and non-reflexive as possible in life. That's my goal from when I wake up in the morning until I go to sleep. My mind actually is not my best friend at these extremes. So that's why I say, if you can't control the mind with the mind, look to the body to control the mind. A simple rule that people can adopt is when your mind is not where you want it to be, look to your body. Use the body to shift the mind. It's a simple equation. If you do that, you'll shift the chemicals that are released in your brain in a way that will allow you to regain control of the steering wheel. I think we can all appreciate the value of having habits Habits organize our behavior into more or less reflexive action so we don't have to think too much about performing the various behaviors. But of course, there are many habits that don't serve us well or that perhaps even undermine our immediate and long-term health goals and psychological goals and even some habits that can really undermine our overall life goals. First of all is this notion of immediate goal-based habits versus identity-based habits. Immediate goal-based habits are going to be habits that are designed to bring you a specific outcome as you do them. So each and every time you do them. So for instance, it might be that you want to develop a habit of getting, uh, you know, 60 minutes of zone two cardio each day, uh, or perhaps, you know, three, four times a week as we head into the new year. That would be an immediate goal-based habit. If your goal is to get that cardio maybe four times a week. Every time you do it, you could check off a little box and you'd say, okay, I did it. You met the goal. That is different than so-called identity-based habits where there's a larger overarching theme to the habit where you're trying to become quote unquote, a fit person, or you're somebody who wants to be uh, an athlete or something of that sort. It's where you start to attach some sort of larger picture about yourself or what it means for you to do that habit where 
there's both the immediate goal, right? Complete the exercise, complete the, the session or whatever it is, um, check off that box, but that you're linking it to some sort of larger goal. The goal of any habit that we want to form is to get into what's called automaticity. Automaticity is fancy language for the neural circuits can perform it automatically. And that's the ultimate place to be, right? If you have all these goals and things that you want to be doing on a regular basis, you'd love for them to be habitual because it takes less mental and physical effort, less limbic friction in order to execute those. If you're having trouble focusing, chances are you're focusing too much. It's like an appetite. If you're just snacking all the time, it's just the meal doesn't taste quite as good. Any form of turning the, the brain, conscious thought, deliberate thought off will allow you to do incredibly deep work after that. But the mistake is just constantly digesting information. How do you increase focus? You know, people are so familiar with sitting down, reading a couple pages of a book and realizing that none of it sunk in. We're talking to someone and seeing their mouth move, maybe even nodding your head subconsciously and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and none of it sinks in. This can be very damaging for school, work performance, and relationships, as many of you know. The best way to get better at focusing is to use the mechanisms of focus that you were born with. And the key principle here is that mental focus follows visual focus. You can use your visual focus and you can increase your visual focus as a way of increasing your mental focus abilities more broadly. When you are excited about something or you really want to attend to something, it literally brings about a narrowing of the aperture of your visual window and your auditory window so that you attend to this particular location in space. Oh, of course, mental focus follows visual focus. And yet, if you think about the way our world is arranged now with you know, your phone calling you over to this location and your computer calling you to that location and whatever's happening in your immediate environment calling to that location and things that are happening within your body, it makes perfect sense. We now know with certainty that a regular gratitude practice can shift the pro-social circuit so that they dominate our physiology and our mindset in ways that can enhance many, many aspects of our physical and mental health by default. So we don't always have to constantly be in practice trying to be happy. Gratitude practices, provided they are the effective ones and they are performed regularly, can shift those circuits such that we are happier on average even when we are not performing those practices. The fact that being grateful for something external to the event happens to release serotonin and have a certain soothing effect or uh, dopamine and give you more epinephrine and let you go further, that's not a hack. That's actually what allowed the human machine to evolve to the point that it is now. So being able to access the genuine in internal states of gratitude and reward works. You can't trick the system. You can't pretend that you're grateful for something. But if you can identify or attach yourself to some larger goal or something that's deeply gratifying to you, that's not a hack. That's accessing the deepest components of your nervous system. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.